This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. We live in a culture where we take a lot of things for granted. Pastor is in the house. Church, pastor is in the house this morning. Church, pastor is in the house this morning. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it was a pit stop. You know what a car does when it goes to the pit stop? It tunes itself up. Well, it doesn't tune itself up, but the people tune it up. And I believe that, and this has been my prayer, you know, and this has been my prayer that our pastor will will be coming back better than ever. He was good before, but the devil did something wrong. This is probably the wrong one to mess with. I'm not joking, church. I mean, I'm very serious about it. You'll see. You'll see over the next coming couple of months. No pressure. But I knew that it was a tough journey for him. And when I, when I said we, we take a lot of things for granted is that, you know, some of us are sitting here thinking, okay, pastor will be well, he'll be fine. But he probably didn't feel like it in the middle, in the process. So, I am skin as well. I went by the house. She was looking a little bit pale when I passed by. And he was in the background. He was walking and you could see that he's had it, you know. <laughs> they look much, bet- much, much better today, I'm telling you. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I keep going on and on. But I want us to know, don't take anything for granted. Don't take anything for granted. I know people who have lost loved ones. David Blair... He's not here today. I preached alongside him two years ago in Trinidad. Amazing man. He's not here today. Our pastor is here today. I'm not taking it for granted. I want to get into the message. Now today is an awkward day for me because when I heard the message about Sister Connie's passing, it really shocked me. In a ma- it shocked me. It really shocked me because, I mean, I was looking forward to talking to her again. And we'd always talk about food. And she would say, you know, I, she would tell me, you know, I had a piece of thing in the congregation or you're over the airways, you're watching today. You may be very shocked too. But like Pastor said, the whole. He's going to comfort. Comfort him through this season. And so, thanks. Bring a palm, palm branch up and we would wave the palm branch. Sorry, I've broken, broken tradition today. I'm sorry. 
It's not because I wanted to, but when I went to prepare, the Lord gave me a passage that had nothing to do with the triumphant entry. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pastor, we'll, 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 we'll mix both of them for you for next week. Sorry. No pressure. So I'm in James chapter 1. I don't have a lot of time, so I'll touch on the main points and we'll get through it. Because I've learned, the thing is, I learned when I was doing English literature and doing all the other, the other English courses, it says, when you're writing, when you're writing a, uh, a, 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 a when you're writing a, a story, it says the main thing you do is in the first paragraph, you actually tell them exactly where you're going. So this morning, I'm going to tell you where I'm going. So if the time finishes before I'm done, at least you know where I was going. James chapter 1. Now, I didn't have it here. I didn't put the entire thing in my passage. So forgive me, but I'm going to read it from the screen. Okay? I'm going to read the first four verses just to save on time. James said, now, I, if I had my glasses, I could see that one. So, <laughs> forgive me. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nation. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Then it says, let perseverance finish its work. Pastor, it had to finish its work. Its work. So that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Thanks, Tyler. See, James is a no-nonsense kind of guy. He's a straight shooter. He cuts to the chase without mincing words. He's not really interested in your profession of faith. That's not what James is talking about here. He wants to see you, you practice your faith. Several writers refer to James as the non-theological writer of the New Testament. Actually, Philemon is the other one they say, but James is the one they refer to. That There was nothing theological about his epistle. Well, that's not true, but that's what they say. James is not discounting the importance of doctrine, but rather he wants to see the doctrine affecting how we live. He said, talk is cheap. James wants to see results of the 108 verses in, this, in the book of James. But who is this James? Let me hurry to say, James, he was not the apostle that we think. The one when Jesus called his disciples, I preached about them last week. It was not that brother of John because that brother was martyred about A.D. 40, uh, 44. So that was too early before the epistle was written. 
But the vast majority of the skull scholars said that this was the half-brother of Jesus. And you could see that in Matthew chapter 13 verse 55. But the truth is, this James, the brother of Jesus, did not believe in him. It was after the resurrection that he actually believed and realized, you know, this was Christ, the son of the living God. So if Tyler was to back up to the introduction again, we realize what he said. This is how he introduces himself. He said, now, James said, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you were introducing this, huh? Rob, you were introducing this, okay? What would you say? Would you say, Rob, the son of Jesus Christ? Or would you say, Rob, my brother was Jesus? I used to beat him up. <laughs> huh? Huh? My mother is the Virgin Mary. Would, wouldn't you want to tell people who you are? But that wasn't James's motive. James said, I was the doulos. I was the servant or bond. As a matter of fact, James is saying, I was the slave. <laughs> Let me ask you, what would people remember you for when you leave earth? Would they remember you because of your possession? Nice car, houses. You know what? I'm the, my father owned that business. Avian was telling me about an introduction she had with a woman the other day, and the woman just said, I am one of the, I won't use her name, but she said, I am one of the, and she gives the name. I'm going to use Jones. I am one of the Joneses. But James didn't do that. Because James wanted people to remember him for a specific reason. He wanted them to remember that he was a slave. He was a slave. And you know what? Slave doesn't, have, doesn't own anything. Nothing that we have, it belongs to us. We are slaves. You may think. That you're more than that. But we're not more than that. The scripture tells us that we were bought with a price. Blood was shed for us. Which means that I am not on my agenda. Neither are you on your agenda. So when James was writing, he was saying, guess what? I am on the king's agenda. I guess that's where the Palm Sunday part of comes into my message. He was saying, hail the king of kings. Hail the Lord of Lords. So, now last week and the last two weeks, I, I typically I did I did more a topical kind of sermon. I just had a topic and I preached on it. Today I'm going to go along and I'm going to take you along, just like I'm at home and I'm doing Bible studies in my office. I'm going to take you along with me. So it says, James, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells us he wants us to know what he wants to be remembered by. He's a servant of the Lord. Then he said, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nation. Why is he writing to the twelve tribes scattered among the nation after? Stephen was persecuted. When all the other believers saw that Stephen was persecuted, you know what they did? Boop. 
scatter. <laughs> I don't want to die like that. And God used that opportunity to make sure the gospel went with them wherever they went. So because they scattered, they took the gospel with them and that's how Christianity spread. That's how it spread. Persecution resulted in the spreading of the gospel. When was the last time you said, Lord, I want it nice and easy. Make my life peaceful. And he's saying, the testing of your faith produces the ordained end. How are you going to be a soldier if you never went to boot camp? What if I tell you, James, he's talking here, and James remind me of a sergeant. James is not mincing words like I said before. He's telling you like it is. Stand up, soldier. Move. So the Jews were living outside of Israel, diaspora. The content of this letter identifies them as the followers of Christ, although they perhaps were worshiping in synagogue still, as you could see in chapter 2, verse 2. So though they were probably worshiping in the synagogues, they were following Jesus. They were declaring Jesus as Lord. And Tyler, put up verse 2 for me, please. And you could keep it up there. Thanks. It says, consider it joy. Remember, I'm taking you along with me like I'm at home doing my studies. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. <laughs> Initially, James might seem crazy because imagine somebody coming to you and said, just enjoy the pain. Are you, are you crazy? Something wrong with you? But God has a plan. God has a plan. So James said, consider. And consider is not just a word that is just sitting there because he wants to just put it there. Consider, it's a command to think deeply about something. I want you to meditate on this. Consider it. Not just let it be a passing thought. He says, consider. No, no, no. He said, consider it. Pure joy. I could. It's in what you call that present continuous tense. In Greek, we call it the aorist. Okay? It's a present continuous. What he's saying is that. You don't delay. Okay, let, let me break it down a little bit. When he says, consider pure joy, he's not saying, after you have settled for a while, enjoy it. He said, immediately, I want you to experience joy. So yesterday, when I heard the message, James is saying, joy as if. Pure joy. Not half joy. The translation could say full joy. 
That's why I'm telling you, James must have been very crazy. He probably hasn't lived any life. He probably hasn't experienced any pain. That he would tell me, who just lost my loved one. Just lost a good friend. Consider it pure, undiluted joy. That's why I'll have to go back to it. I am a slave. I don't belong to myself. Okay, I'm preaching, but I'm preaching to myself too. It's tough. We have to understand that there is a distinction between joy and happiness. Happiness is the inner sense of elation when something good happens in your life. You get happy when something good happens in your life. But joy, it's a deep sense of peace and confidence that God got this for you. Understand, it's a deep sense of peace and confidence. I didn't say anything changed. Nothing changed. But it's a deep sense of peace that God has got this. Few weeks, a few months ago, when Pastor preached and he used that, I think he used that line, God's got this. I said, Avian, maybe I should, we should get some t shirts done and, you know, probably have a, a Seth's wife, you know, she will put, you know, she will put, put it out, God's got it. And every now and then we see somebody that feel like we, we feel like they need one of these shirts, we just give them one of it. Yeah. Because, it's, because it's not just a statement, it's a reality. And it has nothing to do with your present circumstances. Hey, COVID has been tough on people. You tell me to have joy in COVID? Joy in isolation? Joy in pain? I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just asking you to read the scriptures with me and let's try to do it together. It says there are trials of many kinds. The Greek word used here, it, it's the same word that we get polka dot from. And if, somebody, if my wife was inside here, she would get excited because she liked animal prints. She liked polka dot. She liked all those. But then she'd tell me polka dot is out of style, so it's no animal print. You know, all those kind of stuff and leopard, leopard print and all those things. But the idea behind polka dot, it says just like with the dots, trials are never the same shape, size, or intensity. You can't dictate the size or the nature of the difficulty you're going through. So that's why they use this Greek word. It says poikolos. Poikolos, polka dot. See? See how close it is? Like transliteration. So God is saying that you can't dictate the nature of the trials you go through. You don't have that responsibility. All you could do as a slave is have a deep sense of peace and confidence in God as we go through it. In verse 2, it tells us about trials. And I'm rushing along. 
it says trials in verse 2. And in verse 13, it says tempt. They are the same Greek word. You see, God will test us, but he will not tempt us. The difference between the two is the goal of the event. Testing is designed to grow us up or mature us. That's why God tells us not to provoke our kids. Because that doesn't help them to succeed. It actually makes them feel like failures. That's why the Romans, Romans chapter, chapter 5 tells us, there is, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus, though the bar seems so high, it doesn't make me feel condemned. It doesn't make me feel like I can't do it. Because he's enabled. It's almost like, it's almost like my big brother is there saying, if you need me, I'm here. If you need me, I'm here. He's not leaving us an inch. Now, that should bring a lot of comfort to us because sometimes we feel like in Jamaica, we, you know, when I was growing up, we would sing this song, One Set of Footprints in the Sand. Lord, you show me. Well, Debbie, you know the words because you're, you're shaking. But the essence of the song is that when, we're, when, when, when life gets difficult, those times you only see one set of footprints in the sand. And what God is saying that's the season when I'm just carrying you. The footprints you're seeing is actually not yours. Those are my footprints. You're in my arm. That's what he's saying. But it doesn't make you feel any less heavy or painful. It doesn't, does it? No. He just wants us to know it's that confidence that he's in charge and he's doing tough. So, so, so in the Old Testament, it says that God commanded Abram to sacrifice his son Isaac to him that was testing Abraham. On the other hand, Satan tempts us with the goal to make us stumble and fail and step further away from God. But you can't just blame Satan for everything. Remember, you can't just blame Satan for everything. There are things that it's because of our own poor decisions. Things happen. Okay? <laughs> I could give you a verse for that. But let me jump along. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. And then it says, because... You know, you see that, that word there, because, and you think it's, somebody tell me, when you see because, what comes to mind? Or when you see, the English students will probably tell me, when I see because, it indicates that following is the keys of everything that I saw before. The pure joy, when it says pure joy, it's going to tell me why. Pure joy. So this next part is very important. So when you go around, it says, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance leads us to a path towards full maturity. Yeah. 
and completeness in Christ. The word perseverance here is another significant word. If I was to break perseverance in two words, I would say hupo, which means under. Okay? I think the word for Submission is hupotasio. I think something like that. It means that you're under something. But this word, it says, part of the word says hupo means under. And then the next part of the word says meno, which means remain. So when it says here, let perseverance finish its work, I'm going to run ahead of my notes and say this. What God is saying to you is, do not try to rush out of the process. Take this torn away from me. Does anybody remember who said that? Huh? Who asked, who asked Jesus to remove the torn? Huh? Paul! When was the last time you asked Jesus, remove the torn? Why do I still have this pain? Why me? says, rather than try to escape, you keep your mind and heart focused on God rather than on the trial. I've heard this said. Actually, I've seen it before. If I'm riding my bike, now, probably because I'm directionally challenged and those kind of stuff, but if I'm out riding my bike, and, and Rob may testify to this because we did some riding together a few, days, few, few years ago. If I'm riding my bike, okay, and somebody's walking by and I do this, my bike starts going that direction. <laughs> yeah, because wherever I'm looking, that's where I'm going to go. Why did I say that? If you focus on your trials, it will sink you into deeper depression. I want us to remember this, okay? If you focus on the difficulty you're going through, it's going to take you, sink you deeper because Christ wants you to focus on him. Now, everything I'm saying today, it's difficult. That's why we're called soldiers of Christ. We're in God's army, okay? It's all difficult, but he's not going to leave us alone. He's going to help us through it. Now, remember, I didn't write this book. Now, if I wrote this book, you could throw stones at me on the stage, okay? But I didn't write this. I'm just relaying the message to, it, to you. I'm relaying the message to us. It says, let's persevere and finish its work in you. That's not a quick fix. The word mature does not imply that you reached a point in life where you arrived and you need no further progress. Did you know that maturity doesn't... Do you know that maturity doesn't mean that you've arrived? It just means that you're further ahead. <laughs> Whenever we fail to grow, it means that we're dead. Whenever I fail to grow, whenever I become pompous and prideful and think that I have it all together and nobody can teach me anything, 
I'm on a decline. I was telling my wife yesterday, or some time ago, I was telling her, can't learn from somebody else. Something is wrong with their spiritual journey. Whenever I think that I can't learn from a child, something is wrong with me. Nothing is wrong with the child. Whenever I think I can't learn from somebody because I'm further along in the journey, then guess what? I'm on a decline. That's pride. And pride goes before what? And that's why I love, I love that we have elders among here who could sit and listen to us, the younger ones, and they don't talk down on us. They're saying, go boy. <laughs> and we make some mistakes sometimes, but keep going. Isn't that what you do, Brother Moore? Huh? Keep going. Yeah, because, because we're all in the same army, on the same team. Well, let me run, run along. Now I'm going to skip out a few things. I'm summarizing a lot of it. about the rigors that we go through with the Lord and the challenges and the experiences we have. Yesterday, Abby and I were at the, we're at the, because, you know, they wanted to go somewhere and so we figured we'd take them to the zoo. We went to the zoo and one of my, my wife's most, one of her most favorite animal is, is the giraffe. She likes that long neck and they, she just, I remember a few years ago when I went to Africa, I was, I think I was in maybe Kenya, one of those places. I remember bringing back, a, you know, those little, those small, miniature, wooden animals and they, I brought home one of those for her and I remember when I, I, one of the kids broke it and she was so disappointed that it was broken. That's how much she likes her giraffe. And in preparation for my message, I came across an analogy that I would like to share with you today. It says the birth of a baby giraffe is quite intriguing. It's, it's, just, it's just fascinating. Now, there's, I don't know what's fascinating about the birth of a baby. I mean, I mean, they give birth to this thing and it falls probably some eight feet on the ground. And then, and then the mother comes over to it and she licks it and make sure that the baby's alive and then and then before long the analogy said that and then something incredible happens the mother lifts her leg and kicks the baby yeah that's the same impression I had when I read it too and the mother kicks the baby and the baby goes flying in the air and tumbling down on the ground as the baby lies curled up, the mother kicks the baby again. This is no joke. This is no joke. The vets know that this is true. You go research it. And when you think it was done, the mother kicks the baby again. Now what AJ asked me this morning, because I was sharing the story with him, and AJ asked me, so... so and I was sharing the story and he said, so how does, how does a giraffe protect itself? I said, the giraffe kicks. Okay? So you can imagine the power of those legs. 
and the mother would kick the baby again until the baby giraffe starts tumbling and, and tired, pushes up for the first time and stands on his feet. The mother giraffe then goes over and though the child is standing, he kicks the child again. The baby giraffe falls one more time. But now quietly recovers and stands. To the outsider, this may seem like a very cruel process. But to the animal trainers, this is a very common process. This is normal. All the mother is trying to do is to bring adversity and force a sense of urgency in the process of training this baby to walk. Because leopards, because tigers, they're going to come after giraffe. They love giraffe meat. And if the mother does not produce some adversity so that child could stand, strengthen those legs and start walking, then start running, that child will be left behind and they'll be destroyed by a predator. So do you feel like you've been kicked by a giraffe today? When I was praying before this message, I felt the Lord said to me that somebody today just need to breathe a sigh of relief. It's okay. I know it's tough. You feel like you're underwater. But he said it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So have you been kicked? Have you been kicked? And it hurts so bad. And the pain lingers day and night. And in silence, nobody knows that you've been kicked. more hurtful if you get out too early. 
me pray for you today. Wherever you are, if you feel like you're in that cycle, I want to pray for you. Just stand where you're at and let's pray. I want, Lord wants to encourage you. Do you know that? Hey, guess what? It will be okay. It's painful. It is very painful. That's the fact. It's very, online, if you're watching, encourage us because they also felt persecution. 